Hello, and welcome to Hacks. This is a tech podcast, and this week we're going to mix things up a little bit. Um, I, we were not able to record the full slate of episodes that I wanted to this week to sort of roll out over the next little while, uh, but I didn't want it to be a content-free week, so what we sort of decided is that whenever we have sort of a scheduling snafu, as we did this week, because chances are it's going to happen again, just based on, you know, eventualities, that we will quickly assemble Voltron style and do sort of a, a quick snap episode, a mini-sode, if you will, something that, that I can record and edit and mix and get out there in time, and hopefully everyone can enjoy in a manner similar to a conventional episode, just in a shorter time frame. So, we thought to ourselves, how can we handle such a shorter episode, and we thought maybe one way to do that would be to really, really limit the scope. And then Rob, who is here, hi Rob. Hi Simon, hi Rosemary. Hi Rob, hi Simon. Had the idea to zero in on not just a specific concept, but a specific tweet. Uh, the tweet in question for this tweet-focused minisode is, uh, comes to us from Ezra Klein. And if you don't know who Ezra Klein is, which there's absolutely no reason you should know who Ezra Klein is, unless you're way too online or way too into online publishing, he's uh, one of the head honchos at Vox.com, which is a news-splainer site. There's a very decent chance you've read before, which is also unfortunate. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read... I'm actually going to read... I said it's one tweet, but it's really a series of tweets, and I feel like... To get through the idea, I've got to read at least the first couple. And uh, it's from September 10th, 2018 at 12.25 p.m. Over the years, I've come to think of the DC slash Silicon Valley difference like this. The DC mindset is shaped by watching solvable problems prove impossible to solve. The Silicon Valley mindset is shaped by watching impossible problems prove possible to solve. The second sounds better than the first, and it probably is, but will also warp you. It makes you doubt expertise, downplay problems, assume skeptics are just haters, act in ways that are brilliant if they pay off, but reckless if they don't. Now, Rob, you were the one who unearthed this take, and, I mean, I think I can already tell sort of what we may dis and perhaps even agree with. What is your visceral countertake when you read that? So when I sent this um, tweet to our, what I'm now realizing is an incredibly toxic group DM that we all share because we just post things that we hate. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was part of a series. I thought it was just that first one. And I was so distracted by the sound of myself just screaming that I didn't see that there's more than one in the series. And I, it's this idea, and I think we touched upon it in, in previous episodes, that um, there is a group of optimistic superheroes out there somewhere out there and they reside in their headquarters of silicon valley and we just have to wait until they come and solve all these problems that we've been dealing with for decades because of all those you know pork barrel politicians in washington and you know i, I think that we have real evidence that this sort of attitude is like incredibly destructive to our society which um we can talk about over the next 20 minutes and and this tweet really seemed to me um, to be the the best possible encapsulation of those ideas. But then you read the other tweets and you thought it seemed more... Well, more, I thought that okay. um, Dr. Klein uh, was able to sort of soften <laughs> that initial um, position a little bit. I mean, he does, you know, name check some of what I would call 
what is now like the mainstream distrust of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg in particular. Um, but he does still talk about um, the Silicon Valley world at, um, as being uh, the world of optimists. He says, we still need optimists to go out and try to solve these problems, you know, even if they're not always right. And I still really take issue with this idea that the tech world is the way it is because everyone is just an optimist. They're this, they're naive, right? They just want to go out and solve problems. And there aren't any other um, incentives involved in the actions that they take. I think that's a really simplistic reading and um, something that, you know, deserves interrogation. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Rob, because I've recently been to a number of events. Uh, they've been free events. They've been very well appointed. I went to something called Idea City. There was a collaboration between Toronto and New York's uh, new museum. And very interesting presentations about, you know, the future of the city. And, um, you know, my basic takeaway from that was, wow, there's tons of money around. And there are a lot of people including the uh, Google Sidewalk Consult that Simon and I uh, went to. That was another one of these uh, type of events. But a lot of people make the assumption that design, the solutions are, are going to come through tech and design. And at the same time, Ontario's politics in smug uh, the northern country of Canada has gone incredibly dysfunctional with the um, election of the populist... Um, Doug Ford. So traditional politics, completely deplorable mess. And then everybody else is uh, is just assuming it's not a problem because tech and the design will solve it. Right. And I think this relates to a phenomenon that we've sort of referenced here and there, but I don't think we've ever directly talked about, um, which is sort of the, the ideology of technologists. I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about aspects of it, I guess. But my favorite sort of odious term that gets thrown around is uh, solutionism. You know, you people and actually the best place to find this, if you ever, if you ever want pure uncut solutionism and this sort of poisonous, quote unquote, lack of ideology that that actually is an ideology, just go trolling through LinkedIn memes <laughs> honestly just just the phrase linkedin memes if i say it one more time one of them is going to reach through my screen and strangle me to fucking death i know that we we all know that facebook is horrible and you know twitter's horrible but linkedin is absolutely a the worst the worst lowest form of social media and b apparently the one that has been most successfully monetized and maybe there's something in common there anyway if you go through LinkedIn and then you go, you get past all the success win memes, which are like, you know, 75% of them, a lot of the ones that go viral, they're just sort of, and I should have, to be honest, collected some for this, but I value my sanity too much. Often they're just plain text posts of people talking about, oh, you know, people like to talk about left wing and right wing, but like, why don't we just come together and find the solutions and not worry about what side of the ideological bar it comes from. And I've heard people explicitly say like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a communist or any other kind of ist, except for a solutionist. Hell yeah. Which... <clears throat> now Ezra Klein is not that bad. Uh, I don't want to make it seem like, yeah, I mean, he is sort of the, the uber centrist in a way. I haven't seen him come out with any takes that directly poisonous, 
That being said, yes, this this notion that there is a class of quote unquote problem solvers out there, or that there isn't something insidious about the about the the Bezoses and the and the Musks, etc. of of the world, simply by virtue of how much capital they control. If if for no other reason, I mean, they could be totally in in all other senses well-adjusted people, even if with decent labor practices and things like that, and it wouldn't prevent them from being, you know, <laughs> horrible monsters just just by virtue of how much capital they control. Yeah, and not just the the tech figures, which are their own demonic class of creature, but the companies themselves, right? I mean, the the initial yeah. premise of this tweet is that there is an organization called government, which sucks butt at um, solving problems. And then there are these other organizations called, you know, Silicon Valley companies that can actually get things done. But like, my question is, what have they actually accomplished? Like, okay, I have this smartphone that you guys are looking at, and it has a lot of cool apps on it that waste my time. And um, I can find uh, information that exists in the world due to Google's page rank algorithm. But like, what problems has Silicon Valley solved that are in the realm of the public interest, which is the business of government, right? Um, that doesn't just involve the sharing economy. Like Uber is not a comprehensive public transit plan for anyone except uh, the middle and upper income citizens of any given city, right? Like that's not, the Silicon Valley is not solving broad-based, wide-reaching problems in the same way that governments should, right? They're creating consumer products or they're creating products that are meant to monetize your attention. And that's not the same thing as being like bold innovators that are truly changing the world, in my opinion. It's been a 30, maybe longer, 30 years longer campaign against the idea of this, this idea that you're articulating, Rob, about there being such a thing as a public interest um, and the tax dollars should support that and, and uh, that uh, everybody benefits um, that consensus has been consistently under attack for such a long time now that it's that it's been very effective, um, and that's where polarization in politics comes from, and um, the stupid mess that we're in now. The ultimate, like, disgusting irony to me is that a major part of the reason that modern "quote unquote" democratic government is ineffective when it when it is ineffective is because of the influence of the private sector. Right, the 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 vampiric influence of lobbyists, for instance, in the states, and not just in the states, but here as well, the oil uh, oil interests here being a major factor. Yeah, and 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 the amplification of fringe voices or voices of movements that affect electoral politics. So, I mean, maybe a question is, you know, from my understanding, the right had policy objectives that go back a long way to stem the tide of the public good. In the name of um, you know moving uh, money into the the largest amount of money into the uh, smallest number of hands, that's the basic program. And but they did that. They had think tanks, and uh, they tried to formulate policy from from back in the '60s, from my understanding. So what what has the left done to 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 combat that? I mean, maybe Rob or Simon, you know better than me about that. I mean, other than advocate for outright class war, I'm not really sure what else we can or should do. Um, I will say that, I mean, maybe another way to think about this is that 
you know, these high-minded ideas that these uh, tech moguls and tech companies supposedly have, they kind of start to break down when, you know, you look at their at their pocketbooks and find out who they're giving money to. Like, you know, Elon Musk goes on Twitter and talks about how, oh, he's a socialist, really. But, of course, you, you find out he's donating more or less equally to, uh, to PACs on both the Democratic and Republican side, because all they really care about, of course, is is influence and they have absolutely no no, uh, no qualms with shacking up with the right wing. Yeah, the idea being that they're just trying to get in the room, right? And there's this this fig leaf of, you know, if I have access to legislators, what I have to say is just like pure logic or, you know, in a more PT Barnum sense, like I'm just trying to um, give them the future, right? They need to hear it and then we can go and make it happen. Um, but of course, everything that they say, there's, there's an ideology behind it. And it's probably not going to be an ideology of, um, you know, uplifting, uh, society, uh, with public good projects, right? Isn't Elon Musk a anarchist? He's not anything coherent. He's like every, every Silicon Valley or, uh, you know, Toronto tech industry douchebag who calls himself any sort of ist who's never read a fucking book like i think i find trying to attribute like a single coherent ideology besides like craven greed to these people is a waste of time um actually what was nikola tesla a genius and i don't think that we need further labels for people like that well i have another example of just trying to get in the room as rob said because um in another way this is what uh it's nike who did this colin kaepernick campaign correct so yeah, so apparently they made they, that was massively successful that move to uh, give a platform to the rebel Kaepernick, and he's an admirable guy. Not, nothing against him. And then, uh, but then apparently they they have also recently donated millions of dollars to the Republican Party. So surprise. Hmm. Well, and like. We're we're, I, we're sort of you know drifting around the topic, which I sort of figured would happen because the the ideas discussed in this tweet are quite broad. But I mean, yes, it it should have been obvious to every single person who pays any kind of attention and has paid any kind of kind of attention specifically to what sort of a company Nike is and always has been that this campaign would be used as a form of cover for them to be even shittier. I mean. Yes, they they made some changes after the initial backlash to their uh, you know campaign of sweatshop terror in the mid '90s. But all they really did, as far as I can tell, is shift which countries it happened in. So uh, yeah, still the worst. And I don't begrudge Colin Kaepernick getting paid, you know, because it's not as though he can do his day job. But uh, I yes, that whole thing is a is a great example of how they can wear an ideological mask to suit their own ends. I love that the the initial ad campaign was essentially culture jamming themselves and then followed by the counter culture jamming on the right, which is so good. By the way, that's a preview of our next episode. But um, just to, to key off another example of like the idea of technology uh, companies getting into the room with decision makers is like my favorite is um, Uber. Uh, whose entire like regulatory strategy was to avoid the room just to like move into markets no matter what the local laws were and you guys remember what that was like in toronto um uh, very strong laws that prohibited ride sharing companies from existing within uh, the city and uber just said fuck it we're gonna do it um because we have that public goodwill right that's been built up over time of like silicon valley 
you know, these people are innovators, we should just accept what they do, um, because they make our lives more convenient, not necessarily better, right, just more convenient. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that, for example, Theranos did, right? Like we've talked about Theranos before um, in the medical services industry, which is incredibly highly regulated, but as we saw, like also susceptible to these like marketing currents of, of innovation. Sort of the last thing I want to throw out there is um, one sort of thing about these technological innovators and the, and the change they bring and being able to, to have all this sway is that like the more you learn about any of these major tech companies and the ways in which they're shitty, it's as old as the fucking hills. I mean, this story that just dropped about Amazon and their union busting tactics, uh, and specifically this 45 minute video that was going out to um, management at Whole Foods, I guess, uh, which they own, of course. I mean, unfortunately, the video itself hasn't found its way online yet but there's enough images and quotes from it that you can see like these union busting tactics and the messaging are i mean they 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 could be coming straight from the 60s there's nothing fresh about their particular villainy it's just you know new dressing for it which really makes you wonder like the, the people in our culture were inundated with so many images so many like remixed ideas from the decades before like are, are we still as susceptible to that kind of propaganda as we were i you know one positive aspect of this um interconnected world in which we live that i want to believe in is that we're not like we have more armor about this sort of bullshit than than people who came before us did maybe that's just the arrogance of youth no, I think you're right that uh, people are more sophisticated, but at the same time, like the information environment has gotten, you know, ten times more complex, and uh, that's the whole phenomenon of fake news, etc. So, yeah, the internet really complicates things. Well, and maybe it, my last comment, I think, would be, um, you know, if this were the 1910s or 20s and Amazon was around then, they wanted to break up a union they would just bust open some fucking skulls. Like, that's that's really all that would need to happen, and then people would go back to work in a jiffy. Of course, these days, that sort of thing's not going to fly, which is why they need to resort to poorly animated videos. Obviously, they can't use the tactics they would deep down really like to use. So maybe that's another reason that uh, things aren't necessarily going to go the way that it, it would have back in the day. Can't we just note also that the whole idea of, um, you know, of the public good, doesn't it come from pre-19th century labor practices? So there was a time when the ship was righted and set on the right course, where um, the, there were unions, etc., child labor was banned. A lot of things happened at that time because of the highly exploitive nature of industrial capitalism. And that that's now all being chipped away. Yeah, our labor peace is ending, as they say. All right, Rob, any last comments before we wrap things up? Just read Vox.com. It's a really good website. <laughs> I will say they've been publishing some good stuff on labor from people like Alex Press. Um, They're going to so get the, the hacks bump. Yeah, the hacks bump. I'm sure, they'll, I'm sure they'll really thank us for it. Anyway, look for us next week with a regular proper full-length episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Oh, and make sure that you uh, subscribe to the Hacks podcast. Uh, send feedback to admin at hacks.fm. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow me at RG Scherf on Twitter. Follow Rosemary. Rosemary, what's your Twitter handle? It's R-O-S-E-M Heather. Rosem Heather on Twitter. Simon. And I'm Hollow Minds. And follow uh, Moral at at snootlet on twitter yeah she's not dead she'll be back just you know she's just dead to us yeah
for a bit. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye.